0: And I think congratulations are in order to uh, Randy, who has accepted the position here in the church as secretary. And what a great team. What a great team. So, uh, welcome once again. Uh, if I didn't know better, I'd think this was a long weekend. But you know what? We're, we're here, and we're online, and we're here to share God's Word. And uh, it's just so neat to, to see all of you, and it's, and it's so neat that, uh, that I can be up here. And I uh, would like to once again remind you that we've got our scripture journal available. I would love just to see how many we have here. Just, just hold it up. No, no, no guilt. Just, just hold it up. I, I talked to someone this morning and they said they're too small. Their, their, their notes are filling them. And so I don't know whether that's a message to me to, to keep it short and sweet or whether they need to write a little less. But uh, what a neat idea to have a scripture journal. The scripture is right there. A uh, bit of a challenge to work with the ESV, the English Standard Version. But guess what? Uh, Reading from other versions uh, give us an opportunity to to branch out and read a different version. Uh, There are some different words. I'll point out some of those words in our scripture today. Um, I've had this ESV for a long time. I thought it was kind of neat to to have uh, another version. And so now I get to use it uh, in today's message and for this series. And thank you for joining us. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's John Mormon. Um, I'm gonna tell on, it's Tom? Yeah, Tom asked me, so how long you been going to this church? And I went, 30 years. And I lied, Tom, it's 31. <laughs> and Tom says three months, they've been here three months. So, you know, welcome Tom and, and your wife and, uh, and it's really good to have you. And isn't it neat that we can join together and sit before God's Word and say, God, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to us today? The first thing I was going to do is tell a joke, but Kimball did that last week, so I, I just can't copy him. That's, that's just not fair. That's just not fair. So, so no jokes. No jokes. Uh, let's review a little bit what Kimball talked about last week. Uh, he mentioned, and I was online because last week we were driving uh, about this time, uh, last Sunday, and so uh, kind of neat to just have, uh, have the, uh, my iPhone on the dash, and we're here, and that's the neat part about being online. So Kimball talked about First John being not a letter. It's more like an essay, and I'm even going to say a sermonette, just to just to give another word to it, just to help you understand a little bit. It's not a letter. And then Kimmel talked about three tests. The truth test, what do I really believe about Jesus? And he had that big word, Christology. Then the moral test, how do I obey and act? And today we're gonna talk about dealing with sin. And then the love test. Do I love and care for others? We seem to be going in threes with Kimball, and then it was three Greek words. Please check up on me, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Angalia, or the message. And it's more than just the message, it has to do with how did you get the message in your heart? Well John says I was with Jesus I saw Jesus I heard Jesus I made notes in my scripture journal when I was with Jesus So that's angelia the message koinonia or fellowship you and I with Christ and all together with God the Father fellowship Koinonia. The last was Kara or Joy, and that is the benefit or byproduct of this fellowship that we have. And Kimball's words to quote, where there is obedience, there is joy. I'm going to tell you about a dream I had. And right about now, my wife, who's sitting over there, is groaning because I tell her my dreams almost every day, every morning. And she says, how do you remember your dreams? I never remember my dreams. Well, I want you to remember this dream just for a moment. So, um, and this dream was before the heist in Montreal, I think, where the $20 million of gold disappeared in, in Montreal. My dream was before that, so this is months ago. So I ripped off a bank, (laughs) and I had the gold, and I had it stashed, I had it under the floor, I don't know what room it was in my house, I've looked around my house, I can't find a place where I could (laughs) stash gold, and so it was under the floor, and the suspense and the fear in my heart when I got discovered. I got caught. I don't know if it was policemen that caught me or detectives or the CRA or who it was, but I got caught. And the fear that I was found out, it was just shaking me when I woke up. It was the end of my marriage. It was the end of my career. It was the end of my reputation and jail was coming. What a dream, what a dream. I want you to just hold on to that, just kinda, hope you didn't write it down, but (laughs) just hold on to that fear, that story, that problem I had. Now, we're gonna jump into John, and John 1, And the writer John is in a battle. He's got problems. I thought I had problems in my dream when I was caught caught in my sin. He had problems, greater problems. He was fighting for the truth of the gospel. He was fighting against sin. He was fighting against something that we call Gnosticism. And this is where Kimball talked about prescriptive and descriptive. And it needs to be prescriptive for these people because they need to be prescribed how to fight against this denial of sin. This idea that they thought sin wasn't important. We can do whatever we want because it's an immaterial world. We serve an immaterial God. Jesus never really walked on the earth. He was immaterial and so sin doesn't matter. But they were living in the darkness and they were not loving one another. Let's jump in. It's a short passage and you'll find it in your journal or in your scripture or on your phone. And we are in 1 John 1, starting at verse 5. This is the message. We have heard from him and proclaim to you. And what's the message? God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. Sorry, with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. When we have John as a witness, we stand up and take notice. If you want to know something about the hospital, I'm happy to share with you about the hospital. I'm a witness at the hospital. I'm a chaplain at the hospital. A witness is an important message to be heard. And John has been there. And John is in a fight for his life, so to speak. There's so much wrong with the, with the spiritual and the form of religion that is being shared, this Gnosticism. He's literally in a fight for the truth and everything that we hear him saying today is against something that the group is teaching. <coughs> John is passionate and personal. Verse one in chapter two starts with my little children. That is a caring and compassionate and deeply personal dear John way of greeting and calling the group of readers, my little children. This essay or sermonette is a challenge and an encouragement And five times, you heard me, I overemphasized it. Five times John says, if. If. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, verse 6. If we walk in the light, verse 7. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, verse 8. If we confess our sins, verse 9. And if we say we have not sinned, verse 10. John's encouragements are to do with who God is. God is light and the desire for the church to have joy. You've heard about joy. Fellowship, you've heard about fellowship. And to hear the truth. And now this morning, to experience the confession of sins and to receive forgiveness assurance of salvation and the ifs have these completions for us in the scriptures if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness verse 6 the completion is we lie and we don't practice the truth we become liars if we walk in the light as he is in the light We have fellowship with one another. Verse seven, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship and cleansed is the result. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're believing lies. Verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The result is we're forgiven and we're clean. And the last one, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. There's a broken fellowship. And so we go from being a liar to having fellowship and being cleansed. To believing lies to being forgiven and clean and a broken fellowship what's the point our sermon series is called am I in the light so we have these options am I a liar am I believing lies Is my fellowship with God and other believers broken? Or am I forgiven? Am I clean? Am I bright and white and in the light? Am I in fellowship? Let's think about light for a second. Before Thomas Edison received the patent for the light bulb, Life was very different. Think of all the activities that we can engage in because of the light bulb. You can go bowling at midnight if you want. The lights are on in the bowling alley. You can read in bed all night if you want. Just turn on that new LED. You can walk in the park safely. You can golf at night. You can drive all night tonight and you can be in Vancouver in the morning because of those light bulbs on the front of your car. I love light. I collect flashlights. My grandkids come and say, Opa, can we have a flashlight? Sure, one, two. Three, the third one gets a flashlight, the fourth one gets a flashlight, the fifth one gets a flashlight, and they go downstairs and turn all the lights off and lights all over the place. I used a flashlight to get a sliver, the tiniest transparent sliver out of genie's hand the other day. I needed a really bright one, and I got it out. We were on a bike trip in Oregon, in the Panhandle, and I cheaped out. I didn't buy the expensive headlamps from Costco, and we came up to a two-mile tunnel on our bicycles, and I couldn't see anything going through that tunnel. But our best friends bought the good ones at Costco, and they could see, so we followed them. This is the message. God is light. What does that mean? And I'm taking these next few ideas right from a commentary. God is light means that God is glorious. Jeannie's studying the book of Genesis with the women's group. God is light. The heavens declare the glory of God. Just imagine how pitch black it was until God said, let there be light. Just a one example of his glory. In him is no darkness. This says about God that he cuts through the darkness. It illuminates. There's nothing secret about God. There's no shadows. God is light. God is holy. Just think of the purest and brightest light. The purest you can imagine. Better than my 2100 lumens flashlight that I just bought. God is separate, unique, a jealous God. He's one. God said to to us, I am your God and you are my people. God is holy. God is light because God shows the way. He shows the way through his truth, and truth is reality, and truth is so clear. Finally, light is a revealer. And as I was thinking about light, I was going back to a story that I heard about Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham. And Ruth Bell Graham, she had a bit of a hard time sometimes. Billy Graham was getting quite famous. And there was going to be an interview at their house. And so she cleaned her house top to bottom. They were living in Kentucky or South Carolina, way down south there. They lived in their modest home, close to where Billy Graham grew up, in poverty. And she cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. And here came the reporters, and here came the interviewers. And they set up their tripods, and they started turning on their lights. And there were the two chairs ready for them. And another light went on, and another light went on, and the cameras came up. And there's Ian, the famous reporter. He's got his photography equipment. And she shrieked when all the lights went on. There were cobwebs over here, and there were cobwebs over here, and there was dust bunnies over here. And she just groaned because of what the light revealed. And so God is the revealer. Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light for you. Kimball last week shared that to be in the light is to have fellowship with God and with others. So what's the problem? What's the problem for you and I today? What are we feeling? What are we thinking? John is challenging the people in his time, the Gnostics, The people in his church who have been influenced by this false teaching. They were failing the three tests. And today, John's words, the word of God, challenges you and me. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I'm reading this book on sin, the last couple of weeks. And I have thought, well, maybe part of the problem is what do we think about sin? Do we need to debate the reality of sin in our world, in our lives? But then I just have to remind myself that I kind of the last couple of years quit watching the news every day because of the mass shootings, the corruption that I see in business, in politics, and yes, churches. And if I look and read and hear and see about abuse, in homes and institutions. And if I look at wars, the Ukraine war is going 450 days plus. If I look at political strife and chaos taking place in third world countries, how about the evil of pornography, human trafficking, the opioid crisis? Need I say more? about the reality of sin in our world. I thought about this message and I thought, this is, this is hard. This is hard this morning. Talk about sin. What do we do about sin? What do we say about sin? What do we think about sin? Have we become calloused? Complacent? Do we just turn off the TV or not look at the news on the internet because I can't take it? Do I believe in sin, in the world and in myself? Or as a follower of Jesus, am I taking it for granted that forgiveness is available to me? Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You know, my dream was about the consequences of ripping off that gold. I just had this blackness about the consequences. My wife left me. You're a bad person, John. You're going to jail. My career was over. I lost my job. My reputation was shot. Hey, did you hear about John Mormon? Man, oh man, this is a crazy story. Let me tell you, he got caught. Here's a parable, a modern day parable about a father and a son. And the father was noticing that the son was messing up. And he said, boy, he lived on an acreage in the country Son, when you blow it, when you sin, when you mess up, I'm gonna put a great big spike in the side of that corner post of our acreage. And the boy lied the next day in this big spike, bang, 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 big spikes hanging out the side of this post. Boy did something else. Got a phone call from the principal at school. Big spike. Before you knew it, there was 12 big spikes just hanging out of this post. And the boy was getting the message. Dad, I'm a screw up. I've messed up, how do I get those spikes out? Well, you ask for forgiveness. You confess. You say what you've done wrong. You change from the inside out. And you ask for forgiveness. And the boy did one by one, and his dad got the biggest crowbar he got, he could find, and out came the first spike, out came the second spike, out came the third. And all the spikes were gone, and the boy was feeling pretty good. (laughs) He learned about forgiveness. He learned about wrong and sin. And then he got off the school bus the next day, and he looks at the post, and there's 12 great big holes in the post. And he says to his dad, okay, I did, I've asked, I've confessed, I'm forgiven, I'm clean. You and I are good, right, dad? Me and the principal are good, right? Yeah, you're forgiven, you're clean. But those holes. And his dad looked sad and he shook his head. No, the holes will be there forever. The consequences will be there. Forever. The consequences of sin. So I made this up. I feel like taking the chocolate cake out of the fridge. I know it's for the birthday party, but I'm just going to do it anyways. It's my fridge. I'm paying for the power. I bought the cake. I can do whatever I want. I don't care if others will be disappointed. I want the cake now. Shouldn't have left it there. My wife didn't put a note on it. Don't touch the cake. And it looks so delicious. It looks so good. It's my favorite. And do you know how a great big piece of cake will go with that hot cup of coffee I'm making right now? That's sin. That's me wanting my own way. Did the people in the time of John in his church recognize and confess their sin? And then move it to ourselves. Do we recognize and confess our sin? Psalm 32, I thought maybe Ian was going to steal my thunder, but the the verses before, Ian uh, read. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave my sin. So I first had to ask myself these questions and then I'll just kind of let you listen in. Is my confession sporadic? Is my confession regular? Or have I gotten lazy about my sin? Do you or me, do we say, well, I can take that chocolate cake because I can be forgiven tomorrow. Are we slow in our confession? Do we procrastinate? Do we rationalize? And how about this one? Do you hide your sin? Do you hide your sin? We might think that God doesn't know what we do in secret. And so you don't confess your sin because you think you've got this dirty little secret that God really doesn't know about? As I heard one of my grandkids say, that's lame. (laughs) Real lame. And by the way, that's also deception and that's also believing lies. And we've heard from the scripture from 1 John that that's what happens. We become liars. We become deceived. And yet what's available is forgiveness and fellowship. So imagine the difference. Two verse, one and two says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours, but for the whole world. And so we have an advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. I'm sure that you've heard that word before. Paraclete, it's Jesus and it's his spirit and it's the Holy Spirit. And the word literally means to walk beside. And so here's this amazing contrast that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And yet when we're in the darkness and we confess, he comes alongside. A just God, a pure, bright light. He stoops down to our level and we're in the light, and we're in fellowship. And isn't that what Jesus did on that dirty, filthy, dark cross of death and punishment? If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. He's with us. He's at our side. The sinless Jesus Christ comes to us in his spirit. And how does he do it? I mentioned the word propitiation. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours, but the whole world. So the offer is there for the whole world. And should we be surprised? If we look at the gospel, John wrote the gospel as well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so propitiation means ransom or payment. And it's a little hard for me to understand because as we go back into history and into the Greek Old Testament, it's a sacrifice given to someone who is angry. And we don't want to talk about that. We don't want, No, 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 God doesn't get angry. No, no, he's not mad at me. But there's this word called wrath, and God is also just. And so there is this quote that I wrote down. God is the object of Jesus' sacrifice, making the sinner acceptable because God's disposition has changed. Whoa, God doesn't change. Well, God is a God who is just. God is a God who cannot and will not have anything to do with darkness because he is light. And so the payment is made, the sacrifice is made, and it takes care of the wrath, takes care of the punishment that we should have had. Propitiation, it's a hard, hard word. And that's what I mentioned. ESV takes that word and uses it. And there's other words for it in other versions, and I'll let you look those up. Let's go to the takeaways. My brother said to me once, if you have a white piece of paper, it's no longer white if you just put one dot on it. And so I have to ask myself and I have to ask you, have you recognized a sin this morning? Has Jesus' spirit come alongside of you and say, what about this one, John? Has the Holy Spirit whispered something to you? What about this sin? God is light. And there's no darkness at all in him. Number two, do you have some business to do with God? It is not just recognition of sin in your life, a secret sin, a failing that is getting you down, a sin that smarts, or a sin that outsmarts you because of temptation. But are we confessing it And I don't think that we talk much about confession, do we? There's other churches that talk about confession. There's other churches that you go to a priest anytime you want, and you confess, and you confess. We don't talk about it much. And so we look at verse 9 again. He's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise, it's the truth, and I want you to claim that promise today. So do you have some business to do with God? Psalm 31, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Do you have some business to do with God? Keep short accounts. Don't wait. The longer you live the lie, the more the lies pile up. And you start to believe the enemy. And then stinking thinking starts. I'm not worthy. God doesn't love me anymore. I've sinned too much. The pile's too high. Or the hole is too deep. There's no hope. We've heard about it. Lies, lies, lies. The pile is not too high. The hole is not too deep. You are worthy. Jesus died just for you. Confess. The father of lies is the enemy, the devil. And he wants to get you alone. That's why fellowship is so important. When you go off alone, you're out of fellowship. Get right with God and you're in the light. Instantly, instantly. I've thought about this before. I thought, you know what, God is like a rubber band or maybe I'm like a rubber band. So here's God and the rubber band is attached And I go a little farther and I'm a little more alone and I believe a few more lies and I'm doing my thing and it's really not going good and I'm hurting more and I say, God, forgive me. I confess this sin. And that rubber band, no no matter how far it's stretched, snap! And I'm right back. Recognition of sin. The role of the Holy Spirit. That uh-oh, feeling. Confession, repentance. We haven't talked about that. That's another message. The role of the Holy Spirit, the come alongsider. It's not up to me to, for, to convict you. It's not up to your wife or your girlfriend. It's not up to your best friend. It's not Pastor Kimball. It's, it's none of the elders here. It's the Holy Spirit that will convict you of your sin. In fact, there's the scripture verse, do not judge, lest you be judged. I'm up here telling you that I'm a sinner. I need confession. I've even had the experience where I was sinning and then confessing, and I had a vision of this window, and it was an old-fashioned window, and where the panes were made the shape of a cross. And Jesus appeared on the cross there and the enemy was on the other side and it was like his daggers or his lightning was trying to come through. Couldn't come through. The cross and Jesus prevented it. It was like the snapping and the crackling but it couldn't get me. Jesus was there. Prayer. I'm happy to pray with you after the service or you can just come to the cross by yourself and pray. Ian's on our prayer team today. He'll be happy to pray with you. We're here for you. Talk to God now. Don't procrastinate. Keep those short accounts. And then I've never ended a message with warnings. I just felt like God said, No, you end end the message with warnings. And so here's two warnings. There are warnings from God because he is a God of justice and wrath. And Proverbs 28 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. There's those consequences again. Somehow your soul is going to ache and your bones are going to ache and things, like, there's consequences. I'm going to go to jail because I ripped off the, that gold. I'm going to jail and the feeling inside of me was something else. Sin and lack of confession will hold you back. It will be a cost, but God is merciful. Never forget that. And finally John says, we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Your joy may be complete. Well John, what's the warning? Okay, here's the warning. And this is from Nikki Gumble. The person who does Alpha, who created Alpha, who has done Alpha for 30 plus years. Nikki Gumbel said, when you sin, you may not lose your salvation, but you may lose the joy of your salvation. The joy won't be there. Let's pray and we're also going to have a little bit of quiet time.